Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, the Commish. Joining me today is the co-host, Aaron Downtown Brown. Hey, hey. And we got Ethan Weaver alongside. Kamish, how we doing? Doing pretty good, boys. Doing pretty good. We uh, started our annual road trip around the country in the last couple of weeks, hitting on both the AFC and the NFC West. But we've actually decided to put a pause on that and change courses a little bit here and just get into the startup draft discussion. June really is a great month for Dynasty startups. So this week we're going to touch on who we think the best values are in each of the first 12 rounds of a startup draft. And with Superflex being all the craze around the Dynasty community, we're going to go that route for this exercise. So we have a fun 12-team Superflex league with non-tight end premium, starting requirements of one quarterback, one Superflex spot, two wide receivers, two running backs, and two flex spots. The ADP data that we're going to be using for this exercise comes directly from Dynasty League Football, also known as DLF. We're using their May startup Superflex ADP. And as you might imagine with the Superflex League, round one is going to be very quarterback heavy. So to talk values in that, uh, we know that you're going to probably going to take Mahomes, maybe Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, those guys. That's kind of obvious here. So to start it off here, Ethan's going to talk about you know who the last quarterback he would be willing to take at the start of the draft before he kind of dove into the non-quarterback pool. You know, most likely wide receivers, maybe a top running back. So, Ethan, tell us who the last quarterback in the run of quarterbacks to start a Superflex draft you would take. According to, according to this uh, ADP, the last quarterback I would feel comfortable with is Trevor Lawrence. I, I think – his second with his second year and uh, with Doug Peterson, I think he's going to take take another step forward. I think we had a glimpse of what Trevor Lawrence c- can be in that uh, first playoff win that he, that he had against the Chargers. Uh, they added Calvin Ridley. He has a good cast uh, of weapons around him, and I just think he has that upside to be talked about in the same realm as a Joe Burrow, as a as a Justin Herbert, and I I do think he has a uh, a little upside. Uh, rushing the football as well, but as he is a good athlete. So Trevor Lawrence is one of those uh, quarterbacks that I'm comfortable drafting in the first round. Um, in this in this DLF May ADP, he is the eighth overall player. Um, after him, it went Justin Fields, Jamar Chase, B. John Robinson, and Dak Prescott to round out the first round. And with with that mix, I just think Trevor Lawrence in the back end of the first is is the safest safest pick, and how I like to start my uh dynasty teams and super flex um missing out on a quarterback in round one just kind of puts you behind the eight ball a little bit and um the last thing i want to do is reach for quarterbacks and i'm not sold on but uh i know justin fields is is a very popular pick in the first round he is uh the 109 right now in may adp he's just a little uh he's, he's not as, as safe as Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, I think this is a huge year for him. I think he needs to show the Chicago Bears that he can uh, lead an offense with his arm, not just his legs. I'm afraid if he goes out there and has another mediocre season in terms of wins, I think the Bears may start looking in a different direction, especially if they have another top five pick. So it's a huge year for Justin Fields. And he's just a guy that has all the upside in the wor- in the world. And it could be an amazing pick in the first round. I, I just think it's a it's a big risk to build your your dynasty team around Justin Fields, but I, I definitely can see why um, why he's a why he's a first round pick. But I just think Trevor Lawrence is too safe, and he's I think he's a great value um, in the back end of, of the first round outside the, those uh, 
top uh, top five six quarterbacks. And I see where you're coming for that for sure. It's uh, you, you if you don't have a top five six maybe even seven pick, you're you're missing out on the QB run in all likelihood in most leagues that are drafting in superflex formats. You know that have twelve teams. I can see both sides of the coin for Fields or Justin Jefferson as the top receiver. You know, if uh, if Fields hits, it's going to be massive for fantasy. Obviously, he was phenomenal for fantasy when he was on the field in 2022. And if he if he takes even a little bit of a step forward, you know, the bar is actually pretty low for what you can call progress this year. Um, so I think he is going to be the guy for for two years there. If it was me making this call, I would take the risk and go Justin Fields just because it just if, if he hits, I'm making up the difference just like that if not surpassing a few of the guys in the top seven, uh, at least from a production standpoint, right out of the gate. But I love Justin Jefferson too. I, I, it's really a preference call and what your tolerance is for risk in that area. Aaron, what do you think about round one? And then just link us right into round two. Yeah, I think Lawrence, honestly, I, I guess to be the tiebreaker here, I think he, he kind of meets in the middle. Um, I think as Ethan said, I'd be comfortable with him as like my long-term QB. You know, if I'm in round one of, you know, super flex, you want to, you want to be safe at the quarterback position. I think Lawrence's frame, um, you know, is a little bit safer. Um, but, um, you know, with his rushing upside, um, the thing I like about his rushing ability, he, he gets chunk plays. You know, he's, he, he's not always just looking to run, but he can run, right? And then he can also score uh, near the goal line. Um, so I like that about his play. Um, you, you know, that's going to be advantageous for you for your lineup. So I do like Lawrence, you know, if you can't, if you can't hit on one of the, uh, you know, top, top, top QBs in, in round one. Now for round two, I kind of did going in, into the uh, thought process of, you know, you, you have already selected your quarterback in round one, you know, really just a steel player. His ADP is 13. He sometimes can be in round one as well. So I'm going to give you a little honorable mention um, later on too, but I'm going CD lamb. His ADP is 13. I, I, me myself, I have him as wide receiver three overall, um, you know, thinking that, you know, Jefferson probably will be a wide receiver that is picked in round one, um, probably mid, you know, mid, mid picks. And then you got chase. They, they sometimes go back to back as well. So um, can't, can't get those guys, obviously um, round two, I think CD is a steal to get in, in, in round two as well. I like him for the fact that, you know, I think he, you know, with, with now Amari Cooper gone, you know, for, for a couple of years now, he, he's, he's the true alpha in Dallas, right? Like they're kind of building, uh, building around him, giving him more just wide receivers like cooks to kind of be complimentary wide receivers. Um, so I like him being the wide receiver one in the depth chart has a chance of, um, you know, being a top five wide receiver, I think every year. Um, and then, you know, another thing with um, Dynasty in general is I, I do like to look at just the outlook of the team, the quarterback play. Um, I think Dak is still safe. I know he gets a lot of um, a lot of crap out there, you know, if you're a Dallas fan or, you know, I guess um, uh, just in general, just Dallas gets a lot of media attention. So uh, Dak gets a lot of crap, but I, I know they are working on an extension for him again. Um so I think that's a good sign. I always like just knowing the future of your QB with your wide receivers. So, um, you know, with that being said, um, I think he has another six comfortable years you can have with him. In round two, having a wide receiver that you can say you're going to have for at least six years uh, with him being age 24 right now, um, I think is another safe play. I think he's just got elite seasons, um, you know, uh, yet to come. So um, CD was my round two pick here. Um, I, I mentioned I would say a couple honorable mentions, just knowing that you might not always be able to grab CD 
um, in the second. So Garrett Wilson's another guy. I think he's uh, um, kind of on the same page uh, or same pace as, as CD is kind of overtake as being that clear cut wide receiver um, one on his team. Uh, I mean, he's going to have, he's going to get a lot of hype this year with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to may put up some, some pretty big numbers this year too. So um, I think he's going to really propel his season. And he's actually just coming off of one of the, the highest targets, um, um, you know, thrown to a rookie wide receiver um, in history too. So um, Garrett Wilson is my honorable mention. If you cannot get CD in round two. You do not need to convince me of anything when it comes to CD Lamb. I believe last year on the program, I was a guy telling you for my my hot take, I was telling you that he was going to finish as WR1 overall. And I'm just uh, very high on the guy. Obviously, the talent's there. He finishes a top five receiver last year with a backup QB for a long stretch of games. So the guy's a stud. He's an alpha. Dak is a safe distributor of the football who can support high-end WR1s. He did it last year with CD Lamb. Brandon Cooks, to me, is still a, vi- a fantasy viable guy in a flex. But I think his skill set complements Lamb incredibly well. Lamb stretching out the defenses in, in the vertical area and let, letting CD work in those short to intermediate areas of the field where he's just an absolute monster and impossible to cover. I think it's going to be a match made in heaven. But I'll, I'll toss it to Ethan to give his thoughts on uh, Aaron's round two call out of CD Lamb. I like CD Lamb. I, I think he's anywhere from wide receiver three, four, definitely top five. I think he's going to eat in that offense. He's he's definitely the alpha. I mean, you have Gallup there, and you mentioned uh, Brandon Cooks. So, not I mean, Brandon Cooks is getting a little older, and Gallup, he's he's not what we thought he was going to be. He's a so, beta. Yep, you can say it. <laughs> so so the 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 offense is going to go through CD Lamb, especially now that Dalton Schultz is not there working the uh, the middle of the field. Um, I do think their second round pick, uh, Schoonmaker uh, has a chance to, to take on that tight end one role, but right now they're all question marks. So CD lamb cooks and Gallup. I mean, CD lamb should get North of 160 targets this year easily. Um, but if I just looking at this ADB ADP data, especially, um, when I was talking a little bit, a little safety in round one, let's say uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. And I had to had to make my pick, and I went like a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase if I didn't want to pick Justin Fields. I think to go completely opposite direction, just shoot for the moon. I think Anthony Richardson with an ADP of fifteen, I think would be a smash pick in the um, the second round. I'm very high on Anthony Richardson, and if you can go Jefferson or Chase, and then Anthony Richardson in the second round. I think that's a great way to start uh, your dynasty team. I know it's a lot of risk, but it's also a lot of upside. Um, so I, I'm really high on uh, a rich and he's definitely a, uh, I think a value at pick 15. Um, I, I'm assuming he, he may creep. I know, I know he's definitely gonna probably creep up as, as we get closer and closer and he's probably going to be a, a first round pick sooner than later. Uh, I know it's risky, but I mean, we're trying to win fantasy championships and there's, there's really nobody else better to, to, to get you there than, than Anthony Richardson with the, with that upside in the second round. It's definitely a big risk on Richardson. The floor is very low. The ceiling is incredibly high just based on his skill set. So I hear where you're coming from on that. Definitely. I definitely, like you mentioned, I want, if I'm going to take that plunge in the early to mid part of round two, I want to make sure I have someone a little uh, safer in round one, no matter what position it is. Like if it's a top seven quarterback, perfect. If it's like a lamb or maybe a chase or Jefferson, so be it. You know, I just want a little bit of certainty that I have there. But the one thing you're getting with Anthony Richardson is you're getting a fresh rookie contract 
you're getting top five draft capital from this year, meaning that they're not just going to give up on the guy after one year. He's going to get likely three years to prove that he can play. And even if he's not a smash play right out of the gate, and he, he doesn't improve, like if he's still running around out there, then you're getting a guy who's going to be fantasy, very fantasy viable. We spent, Ethan spent the first couple minutes of the show, I don't want to say bashing Justin Fields, but pointing out the fact that if he doesn't pan out this year, then they might be starting to move on to somebody. What you're getting with Richardson is someone who has that fresh runway who's kind of getting, who has the opportunity to give us those couple years of production before we even start to have that type of discussion. Uh, so would you agree with that, Ethan? Anything else to add on your guy before I jump into round three? I, w- I would agree with that completely. I just think with Anthony Richardson being being a top five NFL draft pick, he is going to get every opportunity in the world to be the Colts starter. Uh, I mean, look at Justin Fields. Justin Fields, his ADP plummeted with his play. And look, it took, I mean, his legs essentially got him back into a first round startup startup ADP. If you would have told me he was a first round startup pick um, at certain points throughout his rookie year, I would have been like, you're crazy. So it, it can definitely ebb and flow. It's definitely a roller coaster with some of these guys. But that fresh start with Anthony Richardson, and you're you're essentially guaranteed four years uh, with with a rich. And he's he's going if he's starting, he's going to get you fantasy points. For sure, for sure, he's a a very uh, to use last week's word tantalizing player to uh, to look at. Um, for sure, but Love yeah, it. so I, I like a rich. Uh, we'll have a different word of the word of the week this week, but uh, tantalizing. <laughs> I, I had to I had to recycle that from last week, boys. But I'll go to mine here for round three. And this player is someone uh, who would go really well if you went quarterback and say round one, one of those elite wide receivers in round two, and you wanted to round out your second quarterback spot here in round three. You could go with Daniel Jones, who's currently ADP 25, QB 16 off the board. And, you know, personally, I like to go the startup startup route, but if I didn't want to go that route with this draft, I could definitely, he's the definitely a landing, a safe landing spot guy for me in round three. You know, I just think you'll know, see him seeing him finish as QB nine overall last season, despite having really no one to throw the ball to throughout the majority of the season. You know, they got my guy Isaiah Hodgins literally off like the Buffalo practice squad in the middle of the year. And uh, Jones is making him viable in that Brian Dayball offense. Jones is stepping into year two of that offense. He has uh, a two year contract, essentially what amounts to a two year contract extension. So he's going to give you a couple seasons that you know of. Um, Giants did bring in Darren Waller and they, they, uh, brought in Jalen Hyatt in the draft. So they're at least trying to add more weapons around him. You know, Darren Waller, obviously the last time we saw him play healthy, he was finishing as a top three tight end. So if he can get somewhat back to form, uh, he can definitely, he's definitely showed us that he can, he can do, uh, do something on the field to help his quarterback out. And we always talk about how valuable rushing is from our quarterbacks, especially in the four point per passing touchdown leagues. And Jones went over 700 rushing yards last season and had seven, seven TDs on the ground. Uh, for reference, that was the fifth most rushing yards among QBs behind the big high-profile games names that we've talked about. You know, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. And his seven rushing touchdowns were tied with Josh Allen for third among QBs behind only Hurts and Fields. And every other guy I just mentioned, like I said, is going in ADP, ADP in round one. So this is a two-round discount you're getting on Daniel Jones. And, you know, the contractual certainty is big. You're getting a couple seasons out of him there without that high price tag of a first-round pick. And just to be able to get a young QB in this stage of the draft is huge, um, especially if you passed on QB early uh, in both or maybe in both rounds, one or two. This is definitely a guy I'd be targeting. So that's where I'm at on him. Aaron, what are your thoughts on Daniel Jones? I'm not a big fan. I think, you know, as we've talked to him uh, about him in uh, recent episodes, to me, he's still a risk. Um, not to say he can't keep repeating in that Dable um, offense, but 
you know, I, I want to keep trying to get, uh, you know, top five, top 10 talent in rounds one through three. Um, if he's borderline top 10 QB, um, to me, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze on Daniel Jones. Um, that's just my thoughts on him. I do like his rushing upside, but then, um, it, you know, he can put together just some low volume uh, numbers in, in the passing game and his, his rushing upside just still can get you some mediocre points. So I'm not a huge Daniel Jones uh, fan overall in dynasty. Um, I would, I would probably go a different route. Um, but I, I, I would say, um, you know, grabbing a quarterback in in round three, you know, three or four, you know, if, if you did go position player, you'd be in, in uh, round one is, uh, is the way to go. I'm just not sure if I would, I would risk it on Daniel Jones, but um, I'm not sure. Maybe Ethan can be the tiebreaker here. Ethan, what do you think with uh, Danny Dimes? Yeah, honestly, when I looked at all the uh, the players that we chose in these given rounds, Daniel Jones is honestly one of my favorite picks. I just think there's so much more, I guess, upside to Daniel Jones' game. They were there. He was 14th in pass attempts last year, 15th in passing yards, and 21st in passing touchdowns. And he was QB nine, and he was throwing and he had no legit alpha weapons. If you were to tell me Daniel Jones was a for a, a top 12 quarterback with Isaiah Hodgins, Bellinger, Darius Slayton, Wandell Robinson, Richie James, and Galladay, I would have, I, I would have been like, that's insane. So the fact that they, br- they bring in Waller, they, br- they bring in Hyatt, they bring in Paris Campbell, Jameson Crowder, and Wandell Robinson's going to going to be healthy. I just think Daniel Jones in the second year with Dayball. I think he has a chance to take another step and I don't see why he can't easily be another top 10 quarterback this year. So if you were to start the draft with a quarterback and then went receiver and then got Daniel Jones in the third round, I mean, that's a pretty rock solid start. I just, I've always been high on Daniel Jones. He's, I always thought he got way too much hate and it's nice to see that um, it's starting to all come together for him, but yeah, definitely a fan of Daniel Jones and definitely a fan of him in in the third round. Yeah, and, and here's what I'll say one more on on Aaron to Aaron's counterpoint is if you look at the quarterbacks going after Daniel Jones in ADP, it really kind of falls off a cliff pretty fast. Uh, at least it, it, you're not getting someone who's young, really. You're looking at the guy, the likes of Kirk Cousins. You know, Jordan Love is young, but he's done nothing in the league. And the next guy on the list is Russell Wilson. So it's kind of like, or Jared Goff is in that mix too. So it's like, you know, it's starting to get dicey really fast at quarterback. And if I can grab the ninth scoring quarterback for a guy who just did it without any weapons, especially if I if I skipped on QB in one of my first two picks, then I think it's kind of like a last minute, like this, like the the pool is drying up. Come get your guys before we close. So, any additional thoughts on uh, on either any of those points, Aaron? Before we go to round four? No, I agree. I I definitely think if you know the with with I guess maybe I'll make a um caveat here is just you know with any player. Um, you know, I, I think you grab almost any player in the top 100 if, if if the position makes sense in your draft. So draft is dynamic. Different people can raise. Different people can uh, um, come off the board at different times. So um, timing is everything in, in your drafts too. So if you, uh, you know, if if with Superflex, if it goes QB heavy and you're literally down between making a decision between Russell Wilson or, or Danny Dimes, um, I probably would go Danny Dimes there. Um, I would keep an eye out on just in any other sneaky players out there, but definitely depends what happens on the draft board. But um, I am interested in the 23 season with Murray coming back, Lamar coming back, and 
can Danny Dimes stay in the top 10 with, you know, with some uh, healthy quarterbacks returning this year? Yeah, we'll see on that. It's always a question mark. There are always guys who in the top 10 or so QBs that do get injured. Uh, so I'll say that. Ethan, uh, why don't you give us your last last words on this topic and then give us your round four guy. Yeah, my last thoughts. Just I was going to say if, if if you're not a huge fan of Danny Dimes, I can definitely see somebody going to like a Chris Olave or Jimmy or Gibbs, who they're, they're, they're two players that are, are – are skyrocketing up, up the ranks. So I can definitely see somebody who isn't sold on Daniel Jones grabbing an Olave, grabbing a, a Gibbs, and then you potentially could flip those guys for a quarterback too. I just think Superflex, it's so valuable to to lock in two decent starters. Um, and, I mean, that's why, I mean, we'll talk about this uh, in future episodes with strategy. I mean, even the strategy to, to move up, to to make sure you you lock in that that second QB. So, um, I, I just think Daniel Jones is a good value in, in round three. Um, but the, because of my round four selection, I took JSN. He, uh, I just think of anybody in, in round four, I guess I shouldn't say anybody, but of the people in round four, I think JSN has an opportunity opportunity to vault into potentially like early third, even second round startup this time next year if he does what I think he's capable of. And, and that's kind of what I, I'm starting to look at as you get later in the rounds. What, what, what players can really um, smash that ADP? In this in this next up, up, upcoming season, so uh, he was the, I was the first round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. He he was the wide receiver one of this class by many. Uh, I think he has a ton of upside. Just looking back at his Ohio State days, he was at one point the alpha in a room of of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So he he has he has all the talent in the world, and I just think um, just looking at the other players in that round, I know his his teammate. His teammates actually are uh, are in that round with DK Metcalf and, and Kenneth Walker, and obviously with the Charbonnet news, Kenneth, well, I wouldn't take Kenneth Walker over JSN at this point, and I I kind of like uh, JSN's outlook uh, going forward um, a little a little more than than DK and and JSN was a little later in the round, but uh, JSN I, I really like I really like the profile, I really like the player, so I think he's a guy that can uh, definitely move up in ADP um, this time come this time next year. I like JSN a lot. Uh, I've been on him for a couple of years in Dynasty, and I, I would definitely be targeting him in in my uh, startup drafts if I can't get him in my rookie drafts in other leagues. But the one thing you need to know about JSN is that it's going to require a little bit of patience. So if you're building a win-now roster right out of the gate in your Dynasty drafts, then this might not be the guy that you want to target in this round. But if you're willing to, to play it out and say, hey, like, this is a young receiver, the talent's coming, he's a little bit blocked right now behind with a, a good but not elite quarterback in Geno Smith, then just then just know that you're getting a good player uh, with high upside down the road, but probably won't produce for you like right out of the gate to the level of an elite level in 2023. So just know that going in. I like the pick here. If you want exposure to him in a startup, this is definitely where you're going to have to take him. Aaron, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I you know I think you hit it right on the money there. I think you know I think you do need a little bit of patience. I think 2024 season is. Um, um, kind of more of his mark where he can kind of turn into, um, you know, maybe top five, top 10 range, possibly, um, you know, maybe after lock it's out of the way. Um, you know, one thing about, you know, when I'm picking players, like I'm usually in the win now focus. Um, but then that has safety blanket from a dynasty outlook as well. So I try to find the balance of the two. Um, so with 
you know, JSN having a little bit of competition, I don't really steer towards those type of guys. Just how I build out my team. Um, I like, I do like his value in, in the dynasty community and, and whatnot. It's just probably not a guy I would, I would um, take this early in the draft. It's just not usually my style with it, but um, I do like JSN. I'm still a fan of him. I think he will put up big numbers. And I think um, as you know, that Seattle offense evolves a little bit more, he may, you know, certainly uh, turn into that wide receiver one within, you know, maybe by then I'm too late on, on the JSN market by then. So um, it's kind of the give and the take, uh, you know, you make with those type of decisions, as I mentioned. So, um, but with that being said, um, moving on to round five, um, I went running back here. So this is where I'm, I'm starting to kind of look at looking at running backs a little more heavy here. I went with Ramondre. So yes, yes, Aaron. You've been <laughs> doing nothing but fans. saying nice things go. about Chiefs players in here for like months and months. And it's killing me. Mahomes is great. Kelsey's great. Andy right. Reid. This is good. Ethan and I are going to sit back here. The Pats fans in the room. <laughs> Let you talk about, say some nice things about our team, Aaron. Go. Yeah, I did. I did you guys a solid here, and you know, you know, kind of talking. I know we we we're gonna have a you know more of a bulky strategy episode coming up here, but um, you know, I mentioned you know roster build. You know, it's not always so much like the player name that I'm always worried about, or or the actual player. It's just like how do they fit in an offense is really what I look at when I'm building my team. And I love the fact that Stevenson is a three down back, right? So that hits my that hits his check mark in my book, right? You know, am I comfortable starting him every single week? And if you're three down back, the answer is yes for me. So that's one check there. Um, you know, having at least two years on his com- uh, contract with the Patriots, I, I do foresee him being that that lead role for you know at least until the end of the 24 season. Um, I think he'll put up enough numbers and do enough damage with the Patriots that he could uh, score himself a second contract. You know, at age 25, currently right now, um, you know, I think that, you know, that's surely likelihood to get, you know, one less contract and you might be able to get, you know, like a good four years out of him if you drafted him today. So um, I went Stevenson. Um, You know, it's funny. Chubb is in this round, too. But, um, you know, I I think Dynasty fans start cringing when you start talking about some of these older running backs. But um, I I really start considering, you know, contract length and what, you know, what I'm going to get out of them. Um, but I did gravitate to Stevenson thinking about um, can he score that second deal where Chubb may be on the um, latter part of his career. So um, Stevenson was my round five pick here at, uh, at running back. Love it. Ethan, keep saying nice things about Ramondre. I love, I love Ramondre Stevenson. I think it's a good selection here in the fifth round. Uh, I know people in the dynasty space are always worried about uh, running back age and obviously 25 isn't, exactly young for a running back but in, in, in this situation uh he it's his only he's going into his third year he's still on his first contract he's going to get another contract and if we're being honest should we be really even looking further out than three four years in any dynasty league so for the next three four five years i think Ramondre stevenson's going to be going to be locked and loaded so i think i think it's a great pick especially if you went quarterback receiver heavy in the first four rounds getting Ramondre stevenson as your as your potential rb1 in the fifth round uh, i think is a smash yeah definitely i've been on record on this podcast for months now saying this is the best running back that the patriots have had in the bill belichick era which spans back all the way to the year 2000 and in fact, he's the only running back the Patriots have had in that time frame that has had a thousand yards and 60 plus receptions in the same year. So there's values to be had on this guy. You know, Ethan and I living in, in the New England area, 
the secret's out on Ramondre Stevenson, but for everyone else drafting in other parts of the country, whether it's redraft or dynasty, just know that the the kind of the MO on the Patriots running back train is that the, the people just say, oh, it's a committee. I don't want a piece of it. It's ugly. I never know who's going to go off. This guy is going to be the player that breaks that mold for the first time in 20 years. So that's how high I am on Ramondre. I love this guy. Round five is a smash spot for him. So can't say enough good things about that. Completely agree. But I'm going to go away from uh, the running back position for my for round six here. I'm going Christian Watson, wide receiver, Green Bay Packers. ADP is 63 overall, good for WR22 off the board in the startup. And I'm kind of, to be honest with you, I'm a little skeptical he's going to be here in the sixth round with uh, how high profile he is. But if he's there like mid to late round five, grab him. Uh, if he's there in the round six, then you should move up to go get him because that, that's how good this guy is. So ADP will catch up eventually, but if you just look back to his season last year, that there was that one stretch of games between weeks 10 and 13 where he finally saw 80 an 80% target uh, snap share for the first time all season, and we just saw him be a big play waiting to happen. Like The guy scored 19 or more fantasy points in half PPR scoring for four straight weeks, and he was absolutely unreal. And I know he scored 17 touchdowns in that span, which obviously inflates your numbers some, but just like put it on the tape and watch this guy play. Like He has game-breaking ability – written all over him. And he showed that he's more than just a deep threat. Like this is a guy that the offense is creating ways to get the ball in his hands. Like whether it's a little pitch pass out of the backfield, there's creative stuff on jet sweeps, like stuff like that. Just those little hidden yardage that in, in a couple touchdowns per year that you, that really get taken for granted. And I think that's exactly what this offense needs. Turning the page from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Like he's still a young player. He's barely played in the NFL. I know it's his fourth year, but he's getting out there really for the first time. And like what way to make that guy's life easier than just to design these little, these cheap little plays that get the ball in Christian Watson's hands and let him work. So if you want to go back to his college profile too, like he was a, he has a four, three, six guy at six, five, two, oh, eight. So the guy has a future alpha written all over him and productive young receivers are just so hard to come by, particularly now with uh, the PPR leagues, especially people are getting onto the fact that like, you should really be hitting quarterback and wide receiver in startups. So if you can get this guy around five or around six here, I would I would do it and do it quickly before we're talking about this guy being around two or three guy a year from now. Ethan, what are you where are you at on Christian Watson? Uh, couldn't agree more. Christian Watson is a guy I'm trying to acquire in uh, in in all my leagues. He is. I'd be shocked if he was if he fell in the sixth round. He's arguably one of the most athletic receivers in the NFL right now. As you said, big play waiting to happen. And just looking at this at this year, I mean, who's on the team that's gonna that's gonna compete with him for targets? They they just they just uh um drafted Jaden Reed, but then you have Romeo Dobbs and they have two two of the rookie uh tight ends in Musgrave and Kraft. And that's that's pretty that's that's about it. So I think he is going to crush this year. And I think in the sixth round, it's an absolute steal. And I would not be surprised if he's a third round pick this time next year. Christian Watson is definitely on my radar to uh, acquire uh, on a lot of my teams. And uh, he's a player I really like in Dynasty. Yeah, he's he's an alpha way to happen. I, I, I really, really believe that. And if you if you think like Jaden Reed or Romeo Dobbs might be a player, just go ahead and draft, draft that guy too. Just draft him like six, seven, eight rounds later. So like you can have multiple guys on the same team in Dynasty. It's not that big of a deal. Aaron, what do you what do you think about Watson? Yeah, Watson, uh, he, he kind of fits my mold, <laughs> I guess, as far as my roster build that I like. Um, I think, you know, 23 season, uh, as Ethan said, who, who's going to compete for targets, but maybe other than Aaron Jones might have more targets. Um, so <laughs> the only watch out is 
um, Jordan Love possibly, um, you know, just to kind of look at his progression. But I think with the Packers just as an organization, it's safe to say that Watson, um, you know, may be that alpha. Um, you, know, you know, wide receiver one is what I look for, like, as a depth chart piece. You know, if they're wide receiver one on their their team, um, that's that's usually what I go for. So I can't argue with Watson. Um, maybe a little bit shaky. He's probably your wide receiver two um, coming in the, what was it, sixth round. So, um, you know, you probably had already got, a, you know, your first wide receiver spot. So um, looking down the road, I, I'd probably be comfortable with Watson as well. Yeah, I, I could do a whole episode on on Watson. So we'll but we'll leave that one there. Let's go to a guy that Ethan could do a whole a whole segment on. Um, and that's Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh we were joking before we started, we came on here that Ethan's Ethan loves Ayuk, but he can't get any dynasty shares of him because I have him in every in all the leagues that we play in. So uh Ethan, maybe <laughs> we, you true. can make, make me a King's ransom offer for uh Ayuk after this, but tell everyone how much you love him first. I really like Ayuk. I think he's a player that's going to make an ascension this year in that offense. As we alluded to in previous episodes, he led, he led the team in uh, targets, um, yards, and receptions last year. Um, and I just think I just think he's a a first round receiver who is going to take that step. Um, Debo Samuel, he's obviously a great receiver for that team. Kittle's a great tight end, but uh, they're getting older, and Debo isn't the healthiest of options at times. And I just think Ayuk is going to step into that alpha uh, wide receiver one role. And he's just a guy I've always, I've, I've always really liked. So at, at ADP 80 wide receiver, 28, I just think he's a smash in the seventh round. He was wide receiver 15 last year in a half point PPR. So to see him evaluate at wide receiver 28 in startups is, is a little shocking to me. I, this guy is, a, is another uh, freak athlete. And he has, um, I think he has alpha written all over him as well. I, I think he's a guy that is going to command a lot of respect when he becomes a free agent. And I think if the 49ers want to keep him, they're going to have to open up their open up their checkbook or he's going to go somewhere else. Uh, there was already rumors that teams were calling about him. So I think his future is very, very bright. And he's a guy I would love to have in my fantasy team. So yeah, Ayuka in, in round seven is a smash. I actually think round seven in general, according to this DLF ADP is, is relatively uh, it's intriguing. I mean, you have Jerry Judy there, uh, and a guy like Traylon Burks. So a lot of a lot of young up and coming receivers in the seventh round. Um, but Ayuk is just a guy I think is going to uh, take that step and uh, be a, uh, a a future potential wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two, for sure. And this this, this range too, like. Even if you're trying to, whether you're trying to win now or you're trying to build for a couple years down the line, like Ayuk fits your mold. Like he's a young player, like you mentioned. And I know the, the fear with Ayuk is people look at the 49ers and say, well, there's so many mouths to feed. You got Debo, you got McCaffrey, you got George Kittle. What do all those guys do? All those guys get hurt. Like the, like a year ago, no people were swearing Christian McCaffrey off their draft boards because he'd been injured for two straight years. And now we're talking about him like he's like he's rock solid. Like I love McCaffrey, he's on the field, but he's injury prone. Debo missed time last year. George Kittle has struggled with injuries at points in his career too. It feels like someone is always getting banged up in this in this uh, 49ers skill position room. If not the quarterback room, Trey Lance, right, Ian, Ethan. Uh, you know that that's that can be brutal too. But like, I feel like Ayuk is is just a locked out performance ADP as long as he's not the guy who gets hurt. So that's where I'm at on him. He, uh, Aaron, I know you have sold a, a million shares of Ayuk in, <laughs> yeah. in your dynasty career. Too many. Uh, right. Are you still selling them here? Or are you uh, are you scarfing them up at this ADP so you can sell them to someone else? 
yeah i mean i guess i'm still uh <laughs> i could still go with that um with that mentality um I'm, I'm still in the sell mode because i like him <laughs> and i know other people's like them i i think i said that um you know a week or two ago on, on the podcast so um i think i'm still selling him i will i would love to get him like in the ninth round like to me he i want iu to be my flex option where i'm considering starting every week um, but when bye weeks happening or, or starting to happen, I'm I'm starting them no matter what. So it, it I like having kind of like that six man in, in my lineup where I know if an injury happens, you can easily fit him in. But I would rather have him in the ninth. I know he's not going that late. Um, nope. Definitely drop him up, but or pick him up if he drops a little bit. But um, I don't I, I don't like him in the seventh. Um, just for the just for you know just how I like I said how I like to build my team. So. Not a fan of him in the seventh, but I am a fan of Ayuk, if that makes sense. All right, let's do this live. Okay, we did not prepare this, but uh, these are the I'm guys directly after Brandon Ayuk and ADP. You got Deontay Johnson, Amari Cooper, and Hollywood Brown. Would you prefer any of those guys above Brandon Ayuk in the seventh round if you're drafting a receiver? I'd probably go Hollywood, to be honest. Really? Um, Tell us why. Over I'd go Hollywood um, over Ayuk being, um, you know, now that he is probably going to be the uh, wide receiver one over in Arizona, um, you, you know, for the foreseeable future right now, when the draft, you know, future years, if they draft another, um, you know, maybe a taller wide receiver or something like that, that's all, certainly the watch out. But, um, you know, with Dynasty, we know there's a hundred trades and also with startup. Um, startups, as we 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 know, it's the wild, wild west. So the chances that a lot of your guys are going to make your starting lineup uh, five years from now are are honestly not very likely. So a guy like Hollywood Brown that I feel is going to have um, a huge season, you could definitely sell high if you need to, or you stick with them. But um, I usually like building wide receivers like that on my team that I I I feel more comfortable with the target share with. Um, I am kind of more on that that side where I don't like the mouse to feed um, argument. So um, I would go Hollywood. I would definitely go Ayuk over Marquise Brown, even though I do like Marquise Brown. But uh, Ayuk, I mean, just alluding to kind of what me and the commission talked about uh, in, in terms of injuries in in the, uh, San Francisco, Ayuk led the team in, in targets last year and yards. So he he has, I think he's going to do that again this year. And uh, that offense is going to be much better than what we see in Arizona this year. And I know we're talking, it, it's dynasty. So you're trying to project long-term, but I, as I, as I said, I think Ayuk is in a very good spot right now. And I think it could potentially get even better uh, when he hits it, when he hits the market. Uh, Ayuk's just, to me, he's, he, he just has that prototypical kind of alpha receiver. Um, even though I do like Marquise Brown, but yeah, I, I wouldn't take Marquise over, over Ayuk. Yeah. We're going to be a split panel on this one for sure. Ethan and I are in the Ayuk, Ayuk, uh, camp. Aaron wants to All have right. last year's I'll fight. 15. You guys yeah. count as one mind since you're both the Patriots fans. So it's one versus one. <laughs> sure. Mister, I want to have last year's WR15 as a borderline starter coming out of a startup draft. Hey, I was, was going to mention that. You must be drafting a wagon of a squad over there, Aaron. Good for you. Nothing but, but top uh, 10 guys. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us uh, so tell us about the next stud you're going to take in uh, in round eight in Damian Pierce. All right. Yeah. Damian Pierce, you, you beat me to it. So round eight, um, you know, 
as I was mentioning with running backs, um, you know, I look for three down guys. I know he's going to have a little bit of competition with Singletary this year. Um, not too worried about it. Uh, I, I think Pierce is still the guy over there. Um, he just showed he, you know, he, he can be that three down guy. Um, he actually started getting a lot more um, targets in the in the passing game as the season progressed, and they they started making him the guy as well. So um, I like Pierce. Um, you know, you you also have another. You actually have three seasons with Pierce as a running back. You know, he's he's only age twenty three right now, right? So I like I like that fact. He's a young running back. You know, um, you got years out of him um, on, on that rookie deal. And then, you know, being in the eighth round, you know, uh, as we know, I know we, um, you know, wide receivers are picked, you know, now for their longevity in in Dynasty. But if you can get three years out of a running back, that's, to me, uh, longevity right there, right? And coming at the eighth round, being your last flex play, potentially, you know, depending on how many players you got, usually you got two flexes. Um, uh, You know, that's usually a smart, smart decision if you can start – you know, two to three, you know, three, yeah, actually sometimes four running backs you can put in your starting lineup. And if you got a starting running back as your last flex as a three down running back, he's young. Um, I like, I, I think Pierce, you know, I think um, he's dropped far enough that I would just smash a <laughs> uh, draft him in round eight. Um, so I think that's a, uh, that's a great round to grab uh, Pierce. And, and frankly, I think it's a little late, but um, I know there's some hesitation over there being in, you know, being in Houston and, you know, he didn't have huge draft capital um, in the in the actual NFL draft and and whatnot. But I think um, I think he really showed he he's got what it takes to be a, a starter in the NFL. And um, and and, he, and he's shown it. So Pierce is uh, my round eight pick here. Ethan, how do you feel about Damian Pierce in round eight? I don't mind Damian Pierce in round eight. Uh, just looking at just looking at the players on the board, he he is concerning t- to me a little bit, just because I, I believe he did get that that fourth round draft capital, so not not very high, and I just think he needs to show a lot this year in Houston to not be replaced down the road, and that that's just the the risk with any running back uh, not drafted in in the top two two rounds or even even the the, the early early third. But um, I do I do like the player, and I do think he's gonna have a lot of opportunity this year. I just think it could be a potential risky pick. Uh, I know Zach Charbonnet is is only a few spots behind him in ADP, even though he doesn't have um, a potential workhorse role like Damian Pierce. I, I I love Charbonnet's capital, and I do think he has a lot of upside in that offense. You also see a guy like Zay Flowers uh, a little bit further down the board, a first-round wide receiver. Um, so I guess it, it's all dependent on your roster construction, your roster build, and, and kind of how the draft is kind of falling for you. But uh, I do think roster construction is is big, and uh, we can get we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk about roster construction and, and dynasty builds and and strategy in the future here. But D- Damian Pierce is a guy that he. Uh, in round eight, I mean, he could he could help you win leagues this year, or he could he could have a mediocre year, split carries with Singletary, and, and be replaced sooner rather than later. So it's uh, it, it is there's a little risk there. Yeah, I am not super high on on Damian Pierce to be honest with you. Round eight's fine if you're looking for a running back to round out your receiver your running back room. So I'm not so much fighting the call out here specifically. I just don't think he's that like it's some incredible talent. I mean, he was a bit player at Florida in college. 
And he really had the backfield to himself last season. Like he had like Rex Burkhead he was competing with for touches with. And Ethan and I saw Rex Burkhead on his best day, and the guy was never anything special. So like Devin Singletary to me actually represents more competition than people are giving him credit for. If you just look at Agree. the PFF grades, so Damian Pierce was the 17th overall running back. Uh, right behind him at eight, spot 18 was Devin Singletary. So I, what I see here is it's going to be more of a committee than people want to, to want it to be. And it's going to be a low scoring offense to begin with. And if you're drafting Damian Pierce, you're drafting him to score points for you now. And I think I would rather pivot into a different direction. Got even a guy like Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon, uh, I would take on, even though they're a little bit older in the tooth, I feel better about them in the next one to two years. Whereas I think Pierce is going to be a guy who might start out for his, most of his rookie contract and then maybe kind of fizzle out or just be kind of a committee member somewhere else. So that's more or less where I'm at on Damian Pierce. I don't hate the guy completely. I'm not out on him. Round eight's fine, but I, I, there's some other guys I would rather pivot to. Aaron, I'll, I'll let you have the last word on Pierce if you want it before I go to my uh, my next guy. No, I mean, I, I think I obviously the 23 season is uh, it depends, um, you know, what happens. I think, you know, it, honestly, it may depend how well CJ Stroud plays this year. Right. Like how how well can they move the 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 ball? Right. And, and some of those, you know, they did have a really nice NFL draft, even on the defensive side. So they can just get better as a team. I think Pierce will get just more touches overall and that will secure his role. But um, if they're. They're like, uh, you know, horrendous, which, you know, they actually weren't that horrendous last year. They actually hung in in some games, even with the, um, with, despite their record, right? So, um, given the talent that they had last year in that roster, so, um, not making a case for the Texans as a whole, but I really do think it depends on Stroud's play and then can they move the ball offense a little bit? Um, I think um, Stroud is an upgrade from uh, Davis Mills, so that will benefit Pierce. So that, you know, that's kind of what I'm going with as well with uh, Damian. I think Ethan in high school was a better version of a quarterback than Davis Mills. I'll, uh, I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Yeah. That's the, probably the <laughs> nicest thing I've ever said. Of Dave. <laughs> um, but I'll go to, uh, speaking of a horrible football team, like Ethan's high school team was, uh, I'm going hey, to switch gears to a now. team that, that used to be awful. Uh, and it's now kind of sort of a little bit coming out of the, out of the basement and the, and the NFL standings. That's, that's the Detroit lions. I'm going to touch on Jamison Williams here on round nine who's going ADP number 99 and receiver 37 off the board. And by the time round nine comes along here, all the quote unquote sure things are long gone. And we're, we're what I want now are guys who are, have the ability to outperform their ADP guys. Are gonna get, they're going to be drafted higher than next year than they are right now. And I think Williams definitely fits the mold for that. He was picked number 12 overall in the 2022 draft. The Lions took him there despite him tearing his ACL in the college national title game that season. They knew they weren't going to get anything out of him in 2023. If, you know, if anything at all, maybe a little bit. So as a rookie, he missed the combine, he missed OTAs, he missed training camp, he missed the preseason, he missed the first 11 weeks of the regular season. He wasn't even able to get on the practice field until the end of November. And he joined what was a playoff contending team in the middle of the year with zero experience under his belt. So that absolutely had a big a big reason to do with him only playing 25% or less of the snaps in every game that he was active for at the end. And 2022 was always going to be a redshirt season for Williams. So if you expected anything differently than that, your, your expectations were just too high. Now, if you want to be critical of Williams for something, what you can certainly be critical uh, of him for is his self-inflicted gambling suspension that he uh, came down the pike. You know, hey, I thought we can't talk bad about gambling on the show. We love, we love gambling <laughs> on our show. What we hate is when our dynasty assets gamble and get themselves suspended. Uh, I'll say that. So definitely not an ideal situ situation there. 
But I think this has created a buying opportunity for Williams, whether it's in existing leads or in this case in a startup. Uh, you know, we're talking about a 22-year-old wide receiver here. So six games for what's a non-injury related matter really is a drop in the bucket in the lifespan of a wide receiver of that age and that skill set with that draft capital behind him. But the reason I'm not concerned about the suspension is because the team has showed us with their actions, at least as of this recording, that they're not concerned with them either. Like his suspension was announced before the draft. Guess what? They didn't take a receiver until round seven. And the depth chart right now consists of Amon Ross St. Brown, who's a target magnet. But other than that, we have 33-year-old Marvin Jones, Khalif Raymond, and Trinity Benson are the the only other notable players. And also the rookie, their team's going to be starting a rookie tight end. And I like Laporta too, but like it's hard to bank on those guys from week to week in the NFL and in fantasy. So Williams, when he plays, is going to be dropping to a top five scoring offense from last season. And he has all the opportunity in the world to, to put all that talent together, kind of silence the naysayers, if you will, and just go out there and massively perform his round nine ADP. So where are you boys at on him? Ethan, let's start with you. Yeah, Jamison Williams, he's he's a guy that a lot of people in the community are either love or hate or completely out on. Uh, I know, and I do agree with you, the fact that I think expectations should have been um, muddled a little bit due to the fact that he tore his ACL. He missed all those games, didn't have a uh, um, snap percentage over 25, but he had one catch his rookie year. And, and historically speaking, statistically speaking, rookie receivers that do – little or nothing in their rookie year historically never hit or don't hit very, very often. So he definitely doesn't have history on his side, but I think you can probably make an exception with Jamison Williams. I do like the talent. They didn't draft a receiver in this, in this draft early. So I think that was a huge, huge win for Jamison Williams. I, I think if they did, I, I would be a little more nervous than I already am. But I think in this range, I would probably just rather re-roll and draft draft uh, the wide receiver 36 off the board, Quinton Johnston. Uh, I think he's a guy that is going to be the alpha on his team sooner rather than later, where obviously in uh, in Detroit, Amon Ross St. Brown has that locked up for the foreseeable future. So uh, I I definitely like the upside and the home run swing in the ninth round with Jamison Williams. There's just a lot of red flags. Uh, I hope, I hope he turns it around. I hope he has a killer year, but uh, just not a great start to his uh, NFL campaign, missing all that time with the injury and then getting suspended for gambling. Which is why he's available. But yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Let us know what you think. <laughs> is uh, is he practicing with the team? He's allowed to practice. Yeah, yeah he'll he be is. he'll be there. I believe uh, so, right? He'll be practice OTAs, camp, preseason, and then his season will start like a day or so before the start of the season. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, I I think in that case, um, you know, I still I'm a still uh Jameson fan. Um, I think uh round nine is a great, great spot for him, you know, coming in, you know, and more in that that six man six man spot, as I said. Um, I would be happy with um, you know, midseason if he, you know, if he emerges. And I think he's got a spot on that offense. You know, I think there's there's a wide receiver two spot waiting for him when he returns. So I like I like Williams. I think he actually can return. Um, to that role um, slightly quicker than Quinton, uh, than QJ, but um, that's yet to be. I mean, I guess with uh, Chargers wide, wide receivers, we'll see what happens with uh, injuries and whatnot. But um, I like Jameson um, in the ninth round. Let's go to uh, let's go back to Ethan here. And Aaron, you said some nice things about a Patriots player, so now it's Ethan's turn to play. Say some uh, some more nice things about a Chiefs player. So hit us with it. Ooh. Yeah, to what the commission nope. said, uh, this is these rounds are where you're just shooting for upside. You're shooting for players that are going to potentially um, smash this ADP. 
going forward. And my pick in the 10th round was Kadarius Toney. Uh, I just looking at that depth chart in Kansas City, we have MVS, Sky Moore, and Rasheed Rice as the main uh, competition uh, for Kadarius Toney for that wide receiver uh, one anyways. Obviously, we all know Travis Kelsey is there, who is going to be their, their alpha dog. But the Kansas City Chiefs sent away uh, their compensatory third and sixth round pick for this guy last year. Obviously, he was in, they try to get him uh, up to speed quickly, incorporated in the offense, uh, but that that's hard. That's hard to do um, uh, mid season. But uh, I do think he has arguably the most talent on the roster. The biggest thing for him is just can he stay healthy? He's only played 19 games, I believe, in his uh, first two seasons, and he just needs to be on the field. Juju and McCall Hardman are no longer there. That's a vacated um, uh, over 100 targets. Um, I believe it was 103 targets, which was like roughly 21, 21% of uh, Mahomes' um, pass attempts. So there is room. Um, there's, a, there's a lot more room um, for Tony to grow in that offense. And considering they really didn't add much to that roster outside Rasheed Rice, um, I, I think Kadaris Tony has all the potential in the world to uh, smash this uh, 10th round ADP data. Um, he's playing with the best quarterback in the league right now. And I think if he's on the field and, and, and stays healthy, he, he, he should be the wide receiver one this year. Anyways, Aaron, you've watched every single snap of Mahomes' <laughs> career. Do you think Tony's going to be a guy he meshes well with uh, as early as this season? Oh, for sure. Like, I think I mentioned it last week that, um, you know, I'm a big Tony fan. Uh, you know, re- regardless of what we see, what happens with, um, um, you know, where where Rice lands in the um, lineup, where Sky Moore lands, I think they find way. Andy Reid has a way to develop plays to get the ball in the playmaker's hands, and I think Tony is a big time playmaker. So I like the fact he may bring a, a little bat, bit back of like the early years of Tyree Kill, um, where Tyreek was getting those gadget plays, they're making plays for him, screens. Um, you know, jet sweep, stuff like that. Um, so I love that fact that Tony can bring. He, he's really the only receiver on the team that's that can truly do that. So I'm um, I'm pretty big on um, on Tony's outlook for the Chiefs. So um, I like I like the call. Ethan, you, the only thing you missed is the uh, the uh, Tomahawk uh, chop chant there with Tony at the end. <laughs> hey, may, may, maybe next time. Uh, downtown Brown. <laughs> what years my lord. <laughs> okay, let's uh let's move, let's go out west. We we uh we had our road trip out west. Uh, we cut that a little short, but uh, Aaron, what do you think about uh the Raiders and the and the, their new tight end? How's he gonna slot in around eleven? Yeah, Michael Mayer. I found myself having to pick Mayer here. Um, I hate it. I always hate uh picking Raiders players, and and then who knows? Maybe with a startup draft, I'm just drafting because of uh. Um, you know, the, the capital there where uh, maybe in the tension that I will trade him just because I hate Raiders players. But, um, you know, jokes aside, I think he's in prime position to just, um, you know, be, you know, be a starter over there from day one, um, you know, with, with them sending Waller over to, to the Giants. I think they, uh, you know, they're setting themselves up to have, um, you know, a lot of years with, with Mayer in that offense. So he's definitely in a good position, uh, which we like to see. Um you know, in, in, in dynasty and in just fantasy and in, in general with tight ends. Uh, so I think that's, you know, that's definitely uh, a lot going for him there. 
And then, you know, with, with round 11, you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, don't freak out. You know, sometimes there's like that tight end run where, you know, just a couple of the top tight ends go off the board, like back to back or maybe all in one round, um, you know, as a lot of, you know, owners are just trying to fill out the roster in the first, you know, eight picks. And then it's like, all right, round seven is tight end round. Right. So um, I think mayor is one you can be a little bit uh, patient for unless somebody reaches a little bit earlier. But I think, you know, with um, um, Andrews and Hawkinson and Pitts all, uh, up there, you know, you're going to see some of those guys go first. Uh, so I, I like mayor in their 11th round. Uh, you know, another guy I'm, I'm going to squeeze in here is Laporta. So um, I, I think you can sub in Laporta here too, but um, I, I like Mayer here as your, um, you know, young tight end uh, on your team. Yeah, young, uh, young tight ends definitely uh, someone that you want to monitor in startups. And if those guys hit, you're going to look back and be like, "Wow, that that was a great, a great value for sure." So, I don't have much to add on Michael Mayer, Ethan. Do you? I just, I just think with the tight end position, uh, I don't think there's any reason to reach if you don't get if you don't get one of those top three, four four tight ends there's really, there's really you might you might as well punt the position at that point because i mean the back end uh tight end ones are essentially the same as the tight end twos so i think getting mayor in the 11th round he has a ton of upside he's been arguably considered the tight end one in this class for a for a while he dominated at, at notre dame he was he was the leading uh pass catcher for notre dame so i like him pairing with Josh McDaniels and that system, I think he has a chance to um, easily be the tight end one there for this year, the foreseeable future. And I, I do think it's a nice dart throw at uh, the tight end position in the eleventh round to even be your your tight end one uh, in year one of your your dynasty team. Yeah, if I'm drafting there, if I if I miss the boat on it, like Ethan mentioned. I would would be I'd be I'd be perfectly cool with taking someone like Laporta or Michael Mayer, and then maybe a couple of rounds later grabbing another guy like if Chico Conquil is still there, uh, maybe David and Joku like grabbing two of those guys relatively close together, and then just forgetting about the position, um, maybe even all together, maybe one of your last picks, whatever, grab a third guy. But that's kind of where I'm at. Just take a couple shots at the guys in the middle, and hopefully one at least one of them pans out to give you at least a back end tight end one production as early as this year. So that's where uh. Throw out a mayor and the young tight ends in general, but I want to close it out here with the uh, in round twelve. And I know that we we talked a lot about guys outperforming their ADP and all that. And I'm gonna go there in a big way with this guy. So it's getting late, starting to get late here in the mid rounds. So we're gonna go to the Commanders backfield. We're gonna go Antonio Gibson ADP one thirty four RB thirty eight overall off the board. Just criminal that he's going in this round in May ADP and. Particularly, I, I say that because this guy's finished as a back-end uh, RB1 twice in his three-year NFL career. And at just 25 years old, he's still got plenty of tread left on the tires. And looking around the depth chart and what he's competing with, the only real competition for for touches in this backfield is Brian Robinson, who is kind of a cult hero uh, based on what happened to him in the preseason for some reason. But, like, the guy's an early down thumper. You know, we buried Najee Harris this time last year for finishing with fewer than – then four yards per carry. Well, guess what? Brian Robinson had 200 carries last year, and he was 3.9 per carry, the exact same amount as Najee was. So it's kind of a little bit more of the same. Where he's, and, and Robinson doesn't do much in the passing game. So the guy actually only saw 12 targets and caught nine passes in 12 games as a rookie in 2022. But what really tells me that he can't play in obvious passing situations is his run blocking. He ranked 38th in the league per PFF in run blocking grade. And guess what, guys? There's only 32 teams in the NFL, so that's bad. 
And I'll give you, I'll throw this out to you guys. Do you guys want to take a stab at who finished in both and in, uh, finished second in both receiving and pass blocking among running backs last year? Any thoughts? I'm guessing Antonio Gibson. <laughs> Aaron, any guesses? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to have to say Gibson as well. <laughs> Gold star for both of you boys, right on the money. Second in both receiving grade and pass blocking grade among running backs. Okay. And, what made this backfield frustrating in the last couple of years is that a lot of those, those targets, 163 of them to be exact between 2020 and 2021 went to JD McKissick and not Antonio Gibson, the former college wide receiver. So it looks like, it looks like finally Ron Rivera is, is getting the, you know, getting it out of his head that he has to keep Gibson in the doghouse or limit him or whatever. Um, and he's finally going to let him be that guy in the receiving role. And, you know, it just because he really is the only reliable pass catching running back who can also block for a team that's probably going to be chasing points most week in a really competitive NFC East where they were in the, the bottom of last season. That division actually had three teams in the playoffs, so they have a tough road ahead of them to uh, to be in contention. I don't think they're going to be super competitive, which could just leave a lot of check down work on the table for Antonio Gibson to mop up. And I can see him finishing as an RB1 or maybe I'll we'll call it a top 15 running back this season. Aaron, where, where are you at on Gibson? Um, I've always been a huge Antonio Gibson uh, fan from, um, you know, from Memphis and then going into the NFL. I think I drafted him, um, you know, when, when, you know, thinking, you know, he, he started as the the fourth on the depth chart, but just play is, you know, speaks for itself. So uh, I think just knowing <laughs> it's funny, like, you know, we're not in the NFL, we're not the coaches, but, you know, we want to just scream at the TV or screen around Rivera. Be like, did you not remember this dude? What's a wide receiver in college? You know, just screaming like, Let, let's turn this guy into Camaro, right? Um, so I think he he definitely has that in him. And then, um, you know, he he's he's um bulky enough. You know, he's um you know his weight and height is uh, I want I want to say he's at least six foot and you know in the two hundred. So he it's not like he's this this little guy either. So he's durable. He's played through injuries too. So I like Gibson um in general um as a player. So yeah, that's a steal in in round round uh twelve, I think. Yeah, definitely. He's six two, two twenty. And he was a former wide receiver. Like the guy he's a he's a big guy. He can carry the mail too. So I think he has dual threat ability in this backfield. Ethan, I know you've always been a, a Gibson guy. Are you still on the on the train in round twelve? I am still on the train. I've always been a massive Gibson fan. He has a unique skill set that a lot of backs in the league don't have in terms of the the workhorse size and the receiving chops that he has. Eric Bieniemy coming in to that offense, hopefully going to shake things up, and they're going to get they're going to get him the ball. Um, as we discussed on uh, previous episodes, if he can take on that McKinnon plus role, uh, I think he's going to smash Gibson in the twelfth round. Is is is, is I don't understand the hate I, Antonio Gibson. He was, I believe, as you alluded to, was an RB1 his first two years. And then uh, he fell off a little last year because he fell out of favor with Ron Rivera. But I, I don't see – and McKissick's gone. He's the only he's the only running back on the depth chart that is adequate in the passing game. I mean, Chris Rodriguez was drafted in the sixth round. He's a thumper. Obviously, you just went over Brian Robinson. But, uh, yeah, Antonio Gibson, always been a fan. As uh, – um, Aaron alluded to, uh, he he mentioned that he drafted them. I remember that 2020 draft class, uh, I believe it was pick 18 or 19 that I had in that in that rookie draft. And I actually traded up to draft uh, Brandon Ayuk and the pick that if I would have stayed, I would have drafted Antonio Gibson. So those guys are those guys, those guys are always uh, 
always, always, always close to me. So, but um, I, uh, I like Antonio Gibson a lot, and I think he is going to absolutely murder this ADP. Yep, Gibson is a guy I I'm going to try to get as many shares as I can of this uh in this the startup cycle and, and and even closer to the season if I can get my hands on him. So love that. That was a fun exercise to really uh, buzz through that. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, keeps uh, We're not uh, just a podcast here. Remember, we have a lot of blog write-ups coming out here. Uh, I've been working on a series where I'm essentially recapping the 2022 rookie wide receiver class, the high-profile guys that went around uh, around round one or so. Um, I've done uh, Jalen Burks. I've done Jamison Williams. Um, Chris Olave as well. Drake London too. So kind of setting, putting them out there in pairs and throwing them up on our blogs, sharing them on our social media pages and all that. Make sure you're checking those out. They're quick hitting pieces, just kind of telling you how they did as a rookie, a quick refresher on that. And then what their 2023 outlook looks like. And also what my advice is um, on these guys, what you should be doing with them. If you have shares of them or are these guys that you want to try to about, try to buy low on. So um, keep, stay tuned for that. Sundaysurefire.com slash blog to make sure you're not missing a minute of that content. And until next time, folks, peace.